The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Today we are in part three, which is the concluding part of our series on crossroads crossroads and we explain that life presents us with crossroads and this crossroads of life forces a decision the crossroads of life forces a decision and and we we we, we say we said that every decision we're going to make is going to be in one of three directions every decision it's going to be one of three directions. We are either going to go the way of the world, or we go the way of self, or we go the way of the Father. Every decision we make, the big ones, the small ones, it's either going to be the way of the world, the way of self, or the way of God. Who to marry? The person you get married to in that decision is going to be the way of the world, the way of self, or the way of God. The school to attend is going to be the way of the world or the way of self. Or the way of God. The school your children will attend is going to be either the way of the world, the way of self, or the way of the Father. When you stand this morning getting ready to come to church, the dress you are about to wear, you wanted to decide, am I going with this one or am I going with that one? Believe it or not, you had a choice to go the way of the... All the way of... All the way of... Of God, every decision boils down to Am I taking the path of the world? Am I going to take the path that suits me, self? Or am I going to take the path of the Father? Today, we will be looking at the way of the Father. Our text is John chapter 20. It's resurrection morning. It's John 20. And we're going to read from verse 1 to 20. John 20, 1 to 20. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciples started out on a race for the tomb. They were both running, 
But the other disciple outran Peter. And I said, the 8 o'clock service, and the other disciple had to put it in the Bible that he outran Peter. Because it was John that wrote this. <laughs> it was the book of John. He had to put it there. That the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there. But he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings there. And while the clothes that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from where the other wrappings, then the other disciples, in case you don't know who, the one who reached the tomb first, <laughs> also went in and saw and believed. Believed what? That Jesus' body has been stolen. But for, until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that, Jesus, that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and she wept. She stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels sitting at the head and, at, and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her, because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. So she said, sir, if you have taken him away, confess now and tell me where you have put him and I will go and carry him, get him. Mary, or Mary, or whichever way Jesus calls her, Jesus said, but because she knew how Jesus calls her, she turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. And she wanted to hug him. And Jesus says, don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go, find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind closed, locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus walked through the wall and was standing there among them. The Lord blessed the reading and the understanding of his words in the mighty name of Jesus. So we, we, 
we see here the story of the grave. And the graveyard is not somewhere we like to visit. I mean, we, we usually don't like visiting the cemetery. Imagine you have a friend that says to you, let's meet up at the graveyard for, for lunch. What would you say? I mean, imagine you, you, you want to, um, <laughs> you're interested in this lady, and she says, oh, let's just hang out and just talk. I said, yeah, meet me at my usual spots in the cemetery. <laughs> what would you say? In fact, you would say, I'm not hungry anymore. <laughs> Many of us, we have nothing to do with the graveyard. But you see, the grave has lost its power because Jesus is alive. Jesus conquered. Let's give him a great big hand. Jesus conquered the grave. So next time we have a prayer meeting in the cemetery, please come. But the key thing here is this. This lady went to the grave early in the morning by herself. While it was still dark, okay, she had three other, two other ladies, but by themselves, looking for Jesus. Now, she got to the grave. The stone has been rolled away. The tomb was empty. She went to, to, to call Peter and John the leaders of the fellowship, they ran to the grave, left her behind. They saw that the grave was empty and they were satisfied that the grave was empty and, and they left. And this lady stooped at the same grave Peter looked at, the same grave that John looked at and saw nothing. But because her heart was broken, because her eyes were teary, because she was longing for Jesus. The same place the guys looked and saw nothing, she looked and saw two angels. You can come to church with somebody else, your friend, your family, your husband, your wife. One person can see something, the other person will not see it. One person will receive something, the other person will not receive it. What usually differentiates between what we receive of God is how hungry we have we are of God. So, so what have you come to church for this morning? Is it just because it's Easter? Let's go and mark the register. So we were in church on Easter yesterday. Is that why you are in church? Or are you, have you come to see Jesus? So when Peter and John were satisfied at an empty tomb and they went their way, Mary was not satisfied until she saw Jesus. God cannot ignore a thirsty heart. God cannot, a, a, a bruised reed, 
the word of God says it will not break. A smoking flask it will not put out. A contrite heart, David says, thou will not despise. God will not ignore, God cannot ignore somebody that truly seeks him. So, listen, everyone that seeks God sincerely finds him. Even people that are enemies of God, when they are sincere, God shows up. When they are sincere, God reveals himself. And I'm praying today that God will reveal himself to you in the mighty name of Jesus. So when you look at the crossroad, you have an option. Am I going the way of the world? Am I going the way of self? And we explained and we unpacked the way of the world and the way of self last week. If you missed it, please get this CD or download the message for free and, and listen to it. That the way of the world and the way of self, the enemy always uses these two ways. And today, we'll discover that the way of God is the way of love. The way of the Father is the way of love. The way of the Father is the way of what? Of love. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The NLT says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his son. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So God loves the world. The voice translation, which um, is up now, it says, puts it this way, that God expressed his love for the world. So the way of the cross, when you look at the cross, what you are seeing is God's expression of love. God expressing his love for us. Love is an action word. Love always finds expression. It's difficult to choke love and to cage love. Love always finds expression. Always, always, always finds expression. And God sets the example. He expressed his love for us by giving us Jesus. You know, so if you, if you, are, if you are married here and, um, and you, you say that, um, oh, you know, I love you, but, you know, I don't have to express it. You know, that love is, is just here, you know. I told you once, 15 years ago, that I love you. Don't you remember? I will buy the tape for you, just replaying it. You know, <laughs> it hasn't changed. No, 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 no. That's not God. And God wants us to express our love for one another. I mean, particularly those of us that are married. Express your love to your spouse. If you have friends, if you have siblings, express your love. God wants us to express our, our love. You know, I, I, I learned this from um, the late Miles Morrow, you know, and obviously um, you, you, 
are free to, to try it also. I mean, it always works. Always works. You know? And, th- and this is it. It's not original. 10 o'clock in the morning. Your wife is at work. Give her a call. When she picks the call, just say to her, I just called to say I love you. Before she, she wants to say, oh, you cut the light. She calls you back, you don't pick up. At 1 p.m., you call her again. She says, this man, this man. And she picks the call. I just called to say I'm a, I care. And she wants to talk, you cut the line. At 4 p.m., <laughs> She's just thinking about how to go home, right? At 4 p.m., you called her again. She picks the call on the first ring, and you go, I just called to say I love. (laughs) And at the end, you cut the line, and she's driving home. And the phone rings again. And you pick the call. And you say to her. From the bottom of my heart. (laughs) That is an expression of love. Now, guess what is going to happen when you get home? It's going to be an earthquake. Why? Because <laughs> once love is expressed, it demands a response. In fact, it commands a response. Once love is expressed, it commands a response. So God loves us. We, <laughs> we respond. We respond. Now, You will discover, if you're married, try it. Every time you try it, it will work. If it doesn't work, let me know. (laughs) There's warranty on it. (laughs) Now, it commands a response. And love is costly. Jesus went to the cross. God gave his son. So the way of love... Is costly. The way of love is the way of sacrifice. Love is sacrificial. The way of love is costly. First John 4, 10 says to us, this is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loves us and sent his son as a, as a sacrifice. Love is costly. Love will cost you. If it doesn't cost you, it's not going to take you anywhere. Love must cost you. And that's what Jesus was trying to explain to the disciples that, don't you understand? I have to go through these things. 
I have to suffer these things before I can enter into, into glory. And you see that in Luke 24, from verse 25, Jesus was saying to them that, you foolish people, don't you, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets have written in scriptures? Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before he entering into his glory? Says, then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus is saying, this love is costly. I have to go through this. And many times when we have options before us, the way of the world, the way of self, and we choose to take the way of the Father, we choose to take the way of love, we need to realize that love is, is what? It's costly. Love is costly. It's going to cost you. But you see, the glory overshadows the cost. Always. And that's what Jesus is trying to say to us. In, in, in John 12, 24. John 12, 24. That except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. It says, but if it dies, its death will produce. Everybody say produce. Its death will produce many new Kennels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. It will produce abundance of new life. So Jesus is saying, the way up is down. You want to go up, this way is to go down. You enter the elevation of the kingdom. You want to go to the highest floor, you press the ground floor. That is how it is. It, counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense to the world. But except a kind of wheat falls to the ground and die. First Corinthians 15 36. Paul, this same principle, explaining the same principle says, don't be a fool. He was telling, telling the Corinthians, the seed you plant doesn't produce life unless it dies. Right? So why do you find the way of God mysterious? The way of God is not mysterious. Except the corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies. That's the way of God. You cannot preserve yourself and go the way of God. You cannot be yoked with the world and go the way of God. The corn of seed, of the seed of corn, the corn of wheat, well, you know what I'm saying, must fall to the ground and die first. You have to die to self. And that is the beauty of the cross. You see, and God is saying, it is not death for death's sake. It's death for fruitfulness sake. It's death for abundance of harvest sake. Psalm 30 verse 5, the B part says, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes when? With the morning. Joy is going to come. 
2 Corinthians 4.16. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perishes, says yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. Why? Because the things that are seen are temporal. But the things that are not seen are what? They are eternal. They are eternal. So it is not for the trouble, but for the glory. God is saying the seed needs to die, not to be exterminated, but to produce an abundance of harvest. It is so important that we understand this, that the way of the Father is the way of love that leads to life through sacrifice. The way of the Father is the way of love that leads to life through sacrifice. So when you get to this point, is it going to be the way of the world? Is it going to be the way of self? Or is it going to be the way of the Father? We should understand as we choose the way of the Father that the way of the Father is the way of love that leads to what? Life. Through what? Through sacrifice. The way of the Father is the way of love that leads to life through sacrifice. Except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies. It abides alone. But its death will produce many canals, a plentiful harvest of new lives. So our focus, for you to endure the death and, and go through the death, your focus must be on the plentiful harvest of new life. Otherwise, you will not be able to let go of the seed. Many of us, God is giving us great dreams and ideas. You can call them seeds. But we have refused to let it go. We have refused to let it die. Because we think it's going to die. It's not going to die. God wants to multiply it. So when you plant the seed, God says, I don't want to take the seed from you. I want to get an harvest to you. Hallelujah. I, 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 God, when you give your life to God, God doesn't want to take your life from you. He wants to give you abundant life. But except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and it abides alone. But it focuses on the harvest and not on the death. Easter is about resurrection and not necessarily the crucifixion. So while there can be no life without death, we just established that, except the color of which falls to the ground and dies, there can be no life without death. But the truth is that it's all about life and not about death. Once we understand that truth and embrace it, spiritual life becomes easy. Spiritual life becomes almost effortless. Once you understand this principle that while there can be no resurrection without the crucifixion, it's 
all about the resurrection and not about the crucifixion. It's all about Jesus rising again on the third day, not about him dying on Good Friday. It's all about life. And it's so beautiful. Hebrews 12.2 even shows us that Jesus understood this and that's why he could pass his test. Jesus, Hebrews 12.2, it says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of, it was because of the joy awaiting him, he was able to endure the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Now, question, do you want to sit in the place of honor that God has for you and your destiny? Yes. You must keep your eyes on the joy while you go through the pain. It is not about the pain. It's about the joy. Jesus had to keep his eyes on. I'm not just saying it disdained the shame. It disregarded the shame. If you watch um, the Passion, which we did yesterday, you will see how how he was humiliated. But historians historians tell tell us that even the Passion of the Christ was toned down. But what we were seeing yesterday, some people were crying uncontrollably. Rightly so. But even all that is, 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 is still not it. Because it was stripped naked. It was shamed. But he could endure it by keeping his eyes on the joy that was set before him. He could endure Friday because he knew Sunday was coming. And he was going to rise again. He could endure the pain of Friday because he knew that Sunday morning is coming. Sunday is coming. You may be going through a tough time. Appears as if it's shameful. Sunday is coming. Sunday is coming. Keep your eyes on the joy that God is setting before you. So it is not about living a crucified life. You know, I have friends that say, oh, you have to live a crucified life. You have to live a crucified life. And yeah, and I get it. It's, 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 it's a way. <laughs> but it's not about living a crucified life. It's about living a resurrected life. And there's a huge difference. However, to, to, to get to the resurrected life, you have to, you have to be crucified. That's fine. You have to go through the crucifixion. That's fine. But please don't stay there. Isn't, aren't you glad that Jesus is still on the cross? Jesus is alive. So the focus is not the burial of the sea. The focus is not the termination of the sea. The focus is the fruitfulness of the harvest. The focus cannot be and should not be dying to the way of the world by itself. The focus cannot be and should not be 
dying to the way of self by itself. Your focus should be living to the glory of God. That should be the focus. So as central, as central as the cross is to our faith, as central as the cross is to the believer, the cross is just a passage to resurrection. It is all about the empty tomb, not about the crucifix. Praise the name of the Lord. So, so we see that it is the resurrection that gives meaning to the crucifixion. The cross doesn't mean anything if Jesus did not rise again on the third day. So we see that Jesus is love personified. Jesus is the epitome of love. God's love, to understand it, look at Jesus. The story we read, our text, Mary was looking for Jesus. But Jesus had to respond to Mary. There was so much at stake. But Jesus had to respond to Mary. A lot was hanging, but Jesus had to respond to Mary. Jesus hadn't gotten to heaven, but Jesus had to show compassion and affection for Mary. Jesus put so much on the line for that. <laughs> and, and, and When you look at that story, you're like, it doesn't make sense. Why would he do it? Because it's love. John 20, verse, verse 17. Our text, the verse 17 of the text. This is Jesus saying, don't cling to me. Why would you say she shouldn't cling to you when you put everything at risk? Jesus. For I haven't yet ascended. And that's the key. I haven't yet ascended. To the Father, but go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and your God. So, Jesus says, I haven't yet ascended. This was Sunday morning. Jesus died on Friday. And this Sunday morning, he says, I haven't yet ascended. So, where was Jesus between Friday and Sunday? We knew where his body was. His body was in the grave. But where was he? When he left the body, where was Jesus? What was in the tomb? Where was Jesus? The answer is this. To understand this, you need to understand that when somebody dies, back then, the person goes to a place called Shul. Shoal is S-H-O-E-L in Hebrew. It simply means the place of the dead. And the place of the dead has both a place for the evil dead and the good dead. In the Greek, 
is the same word translated Hades. Hades, you will not leave my, my soul in the grave or Hades. Hades is the same word. It means the place of the dead. And the dead has two types of dead. The dead. You have the good dead and the evil dead. So the place of the evil dead is what we call hell. The place... <laughs> Are you still with me? Good. The place of the good dead is what, we, the, what is called <laughs> the bosom of Abraham or paradise. If you read Luke 16, and take that home as the assignment, Jesus tells the story of Lazarus and the rich man, and it, it wasn't a parable. It was a story. Lazarus and the rich man. Lazarus died and went to the bosom of Abraham. The rich man died and went to where? To hell. There was a gulf between them. The thief on the right hand said to Jesus, Remember me in your kingdom, right? And Jesus' response was, Today you will be with me where? In paradise. Not in heaven. In paradise. In the place of the dead. Of the good dead. I will take you to paradise. So, Jesus went to the bosom of Abraham, to the paradise, and trusted his soul to the Holy Spirit. The Bible says he trusted the Holy Spirit to raise him up from the dead. So he trusted his soul to the Holy Spirit to raise him up from the dead. Day one, Friday, party in hellfire. I could imagine, you know, I love telling this story. If you've been with us for a while, you know I tell this story every Easter. So some of you are hearing it for the sixth or seventh time. It's fine. I'm going to tell it again because I can never get over this story. So, Saturday, party in hell. Satan throws a party. Let's rejoice. We have the Son of God. I told him to bow to me willingly. And try to negotiate with him. He wouldn't agree. But now we have killed him. Rejoice, hell. And there was party. They were drinking, you know. All sorts of things was going on. Friday, Saturday, the party intensifies. Sunday morning, the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. The party was still going on. They didn't know. And Jesus left Paradise set Abraham free, Isaac, Jacob, David, Moses, all those guys set them free, and he went to the gates of hell. And as they approached the gates of hell, they were hearing his footsteps, and they sent him. Messenger, go and check. Who is that? And he came back and he said, you will not believe this, pastor. And Satan said, who is that? I thought we are all complete. I said, you won't believe it. It's Jesus. <laughs> Amen. And once he says, 
Jesus, once he mentioned Jesus, there was confusion in hell. Satan fell on his face. Just at the mention of his name. And Satan took the demon by the throat. I told you not to mention that name in this place. So immediately he said, lock the gate. Everybody, stand guard. And Jesus got to the gate. And an angel shouted, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. By this time, Satan was peeing in his pants. Who is this king of glory? He asked. The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. At that time, the gates were shattered into pieces. Jesus marched into hell. The Bible says he took the key of death and hell from Satan and smashed his head. For you and I. And according to Psalm 68 and Ephesians 4, he led captivity captive. He led, he led a train to heaven, a train of Abraham, Isaac, David. David was leading the choir. Today, oh, it's one that is, you know, and everybody, they were going. They were on their way to heaven. Jesus was leading them to heaven on resurrection day. It's in the Bible, Ephesians 4, read it. And while they were going, with that, he had the key of death and hell. And he had the blood of atonement that he wants to take to the altar in heaven to secure the future of you and I. The eternal future of you and I. And on his way, he heard Mary crying. Where have you kept him? Where have you kept him? Now Jesus had a choice. Do I go and complete my mission? Then come back and attend to Mary? Do I ignore a bruised reed, a smoking flask, a contrite heart, and go and accomplish my mission? Or do I tell Father Abraham, guys, you have to wait. I need to attend to this lady. Love chose to respond to the cry of a lady. Listen, your cry is not wasted. Your cry, your tears are precious to God. I'm not saying you should be crying. But I'm just saying this. It's, it's simple. Look, our pain is important to God if they are sincere. So Jesus put the whole work of salvation on the line and said to Mary, who are you looking for? Say, if you found him, tell me 
wherever you put him, I will go and carry him. She was a woman. This guy was dead for three days. I mean, how can you carry a dead corpse that will have been bloated? You know? She didn't care. Jesus could not resist that. Jesus called her by her pet name. It's not the normal Mary that we call. He has a way of calling his own Mary. Because as soon as he said, maybe it is Mary, as soon as he said Mary, she said, Rabon, she, she turned and recognized. And the normal thing she will do is to hug Jesus and give him a bear hug and squeeze him. Where have you been? You made us cry. Jesus said, don't cling to me. Why did Jesus say don't cling to me? Because if, if Mary had clinged to Jesus, all the work of salvation would have been corrupted. Everything. Corrupted. Why? Because Mary was, was impure. Jesus loves us even though we are impure. He, he does. In fact, he purifies us. And that was what he was carrying. And he put that on the line to attend to Mary. You know, that gives me confidence when I pray to God. That gives me confidence. When there's something that is bothering me and my face to God, I know God cannot ignore me. God will not ignore me. So what is it that is burdensome to you today? Talk to Jesus. He will attend to it. Praise the name of the Lord. So Jesus is loving. Abundantly loving. Now, I was speaking to my wife yesterday night and, you know, she was sharing with me. She was saying, we were talking about the resurrection. She was like, oh, do you know why the stone was rolled away? From the tomb, from the grave, tomb, cave. Yeah, I said, even though I knew, I pretended as if I didn't know. I said, hey, tell me, why was the stone rolled away? And she said, remember in that passage of scripture, Jesus walked into the wall, through the wall and appeared to them. They had locked the doors and the windows and they did not have AC to show you how afraid they were. But Jesus still walked through the walls and appeared to disciples, which means that death could not have held him captive. It was impossible for the stones to have kept Jesus in the grave. Jesus could have walked through this, the stone. So why did they have to roll the stone away? And she said to me, they had to roll the stone away because Jesus knew Mary was coming. Ah! He knew Mary was coming and she didn't have the power to roll away the stone. And he wanted her to see for our witness, for our witness that the tomb was empty. So they rolled away the stone. And Mary got there and the stone was rolled away. Not to let Jesus out, but to let Mary in. Oh, death, 
could not hold in even in the grave, Jesus is love. When the husband calls the wife at 10 a.m. and says, I just come to say. And calls her at, at 1 p.m., calls her at 4 p.m., calls her on her way home. The same way an expressed love commands a response. When we look at the empty grave, when we look at beyond the cross and look at the empty grave, and we see the love of the Father through Jesus, it, com- it should command a response, shouldn't it? Let's burn our hearts as, as we burn our heads. The question is this What will be your response? What will be your response this morning. There are some of us, we are here. You don't even have a relationship with God. You're not born again. They're saying, Pastor, I need to respond. Can you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you. Oh, you're here, you're like, I used to have a relationship with God, but I've, I've gone far from God. I want to respond. I want to come back to God. Can you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you also. Should we come forward? No, you don't need to come forward. I want to pray with you wherever you are seated. Pastor, that is me. Pray with me. I need to respond. Put up your hand now over your head and I'll pray with you right there. Over your head. Put up your hand. Put up your hand over your head. God bless you. Put it up. Put it up. Don't just hang it around. God bless you. God bless you. Keep the hands up as you get a card. God bless you. I can see the hand. Keep, the, keep it up. God bless you. That is me. Keep the hands up. God bless you. And, and, take the, and take the card. Once you have the card, you can pull out your hand. If you are online, the instructions are scrolling. That is me. Pastor, pray with me. Pull up that hand over your head. God bless you. God bless you. Over there. Over there. Over there. I can see another hand over there. That is me. Pastor, pray with me. Pray with me. Jesus has his hands wide open. Are you going to respond today? I'm about to pray. I'm about to pray. Pastor, I need to respond. Put up that hand over your head. Quickly. Once you have the card, God bless you, sir. God bless you, my brother. God bless you, sir. God bless you, my brother. Keep the hands up. God bless you, my brother. Keep the hands up. That is me. God bless you, sir. I need to respond. I need to respond. If you have the card, you can pull on your hand and talk to God. I'm, about, I'm going to pray with you in a, in a bit. Just talk to God. There are others of us that we are here. You are saved already. You are ready. God bless you, sir. God bless you, my sister. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Keep the hands up until you get a card. Once you have the card, you can put it down. That is me. Put that hand up. Put that hand up. Oh, God bless you. Another hand over there. God bless you. Keep the hands up. The rest of us, let's talk to God. How will you respond? How will you respond? 
I want to put up my hand. Can I still put up my hand? Yes, you can. Let me know. Just shoot it up over your head. I will pray together. How would you respond? I will tell you how I have chosen to respond. I've chosen to serve God with more passion, with more tenacity, to ignore the naysayers, to ignore the critics. I intend to push further the envelope of the kingdom of heaven. I intend to give my life totally anew to the cause of God's kingdom. What is your response? Talk to God. Talk to God. Between you and God, what is your response to this love? What is your response? What is your response? Oh, my father. Kali baze bahazi. Kali aze hiyeje. Mohonda yede. Lele kimo lala yete ise hiyeje bahandi ataka yede. Oh, Father, we pray for everyone that is surrendering to you today, that is responding to your love, my Father. We ask in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that you breathe upon these ones, Lord. Change these lives. Change these lives. And let your name be glorified. Let your name be glorified. Lord, we pray for every one of us that we are responding in fresh commitment to you. Give us the enablement. The way you helped Jesus, help us. Lord Jesus, thank you because you forever live to make intercession for me. You forever live to make intercession for us. The grace for us to finish strong, we receive from you today. In the mighty name of Jesus. Honor and glory be given to you, Father. Honor and glory be given to you. In Jesus' amazing name, we are prayed. Amen. Let's put our hands together for the Lord, for his kindness, his mercy, for his word. Amen.